What's wrong with you people? If you're looking for a strong theological foundation for future ministry service, might we suggest Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary? Many of the speakers we have featured here on the pod are professors at Southwestern Seminary and are top-notch sources for theological education. And the best way to experience Swibbits is to attend their Spring Preview Day on April 8th. Preview Days are your opportunity to see firsthand all that Southwestern Seminary has to offer. During your visit, you'll tour the campus, speak with faculty members, attend a panel discussion with fellow students, hear from President Dr. Adam W. Greenway, and experience the unique campus community of Southwestern Seminary. Spring Preview Day is April 8th, so register today at swibbits.edu forward slash preview. Welcome to Not Another Baptist Podcast, a weekly podcast where Dr. Kyle, non-alcoholic beerman, and myself, Matt Hensley, come together to discuss church revitalization. And today, we are picking up where we left off last week as we are discussing some of the ways that pastors and churches can help pastors survive and thrive in ministry for the long haul. Last week, we talked about the six things that a pastor could do. Courses on interpersonal skills, sharing struggles with their spouse, spouse sharing struggles with a Bible study group, their marriage, uh, right? protecting time with family, ministry, humility, and all of that. Well, this week, we flip the tables a little bit, and we talk about what churches can do. And we'll just dive right in. The first one being having a list of counselors to refer people to. Pastors and churches that have a list of counselors to refer people to are on average four and a half times more likely to remain in the pastorate. You see, we we all know, pa- pastors know, you get a lot of people that come to your office and there's a lot of things that you can help them with, but sometimes maybe it's a little more difficult and you need to be able to turn them over to maybe a licensed counselor, licensed therapist, that kind of deal. And so Kyle, why does that matter? Yeah, well, for for a few reasons. So for one, um, counseling people can eat up a pastor's schedule if if he allows it to. Um, as as you say in the article, I mean, people have issues, right? And and we want a church to be a safe place where where they can come and and certainly address their issues. And there are certain things that a pastor can handle, but uh, pastors are not typically trained as professional counselors, right? In in seminary, you may have had maybe one or two pastoral counseling uh, classes, but generally speaking, pastors are not trained counselors, and there are people in our communities who are trained uh, Christian counselors who can um, help people in a way that you can't, right? I mean, for, for long-term care, um, pastors just don't have the bandwidth to handle a lot of long-term uh, counseling situations. And I, I think there's another uh, portion of this where, um, you know, we we live in a very litigious society where folks are uh, kind of trigger happy, can be trigger happy to sue anyone and everyone. Most of the time, church insurance covers those kind of things for, for pastoral counseling. But um, 
you just, you don't want to get yourself in a situation where you're putting yourself or the, or the church at risk. And so there, uh, I would say in most cases, when someone comes to you, um, outside of purely spiritual matters, right? Discipleship, spiritual matters we can do it. If, it, if it's, uh, you know, something like an addiction, major um, issues in a marriage, it's probably best to refer those to counselors. And I think this is something that pastors can also help one another with, that, that certainly the church maybe has the bandwidth or the size to maybe have some of those contacts, but also pastors can help pastors. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, as an associational missionary, uh, we have a number of pastors that have already come to me, said, hey, I've got a, a case here at the church. They don't tell me all the details, who it is, all that kind of stuff, but they need maybe a licensed counselor that I know about or something like that. So one of the first things I did was start researching who was here, some of the reviews, reaching out to them so I could have some people that I could say, these are some that I trust and I would recommend to you. And and so pastors can do that for one another. And and also know that when it comes to the spiritual needs, uh, we, we also have deacons and other uh, lay leaders in the church that maybe have gone through a season of difficulty in their marriage or a dry spell in their life when it comes to following Christ that you can turn them to as well. So it doesn't fall only on you, Kyle. Yeah. And, and I would say in, you know, if you're in a very isolated rural community where there are professional counselors, um, there are probably some that you could refer to, um, especially after in this season of life that we've experienced that will do um, you know, virtual counseling or something like that. And so I think that's a new realm of possibility that's opened up that can serve some, uh, some rural communities where there may not be a licensed professional or a licensed Christian counselor. And so you may have to get creative and think outside the box a little bit. Um, but you know, there are some resources that are available. And so, uh, that's where, again, your, your association, your state convention could probably really help you in connecting to some of those resources that are available. Number two on Lifeway Research is planning for sabbaticals. I would also add, uh, you know, vacations in there as well, yeah. uh, but but specifically sabbaticals. And they note that a plan for the pastor to periodically receive a sabbatical are on average over two and a half times more likely to remain in the pastorate. And so there are many times when a pastor's life at the church's reality is bleak, they say. But when a pastor can look ahead and see signs of hope that can sustain them and the church, they can be encouraged to remain faithfully to God's calling in their lives. And so I haven't had a sabbatical, though I have had some vacations. And it's amazing when that is on the calendar. And uh, it's it's something that's out there. It's kind of the carrot on the end of the stick. You know that, hey, I'm about to get a break here. And, uh, and I'll add this too, also has a component for the pastor that you need to have that weekly. Uh, a time where you unplug and unwind and so forth for your own self-care. So even though this is a church side and and we're going to discuss that, you personally need to make sure you're spending time with your family and unplugging from the realities of ministry and so forth as well. Kyle, why does this matter? Uh, you know, how can maybe churches do that? I, I know we've got some resources here in Texas, at least, uh, where there's actually grants for churches yeah. to be able to receive help uh, to maybe fund the, the pastor to be able to go away, you know, to pay for supply pastors and so forth. Why does this matter? Yeah, well, I, I think it's the very simple concept that uh, we all need rest, right? We all need a break. Um, and, and there's not a pastor that I've ever known that probably doesn't overwork, right? I mean, that, that is not, you know, uh, 
we've talked about this before. Pastoring is not an eight to five job, right? I mean, oftentimes there are um, calls, there there are emergencies that happen. They're they're just church meetings, right? That that eat into evenings and weekends. And if a pastor isn't careful, he can overextend, and I think that's what leads to a lot of burnout. Um, and so, for for this side of what churches can do, um, I would I would almost lean toward. Uh, you know, prov- obviously providing ample vacation time for your pastor, but I would I would lean toward having a policy where he's required to take so many Sundays off a year, right? So if he gets, you know, if your vacation policy is that he gets three, um, I, I would lean toward almost requiring that he take at least two of those every year, um, as well as an, an you know x amount of vacation days where he's not in the office, um, and then sabbaticals, and I've seen these, you know, anywhere from every five years. Uh, to every ten years, um, seven seems to be kind of a common um, a common thing because of the Old Testament um, requirement in, in Leviticus for the seventh year you rest your um, you know rest the the land and rest the crops and um, but I would say you know this the last two years that we've experienced have really disrupted a whole lot of things and so I think um, my, my suggestion to churches right now would be to offer your pastor kind of a mini sabbatical. Um, if, if he's not really taking, you know, enough vacation time over the last two years, um, offer him a mini sabbatical. Uh, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's two weeks in a row where he's out. Maybe it's a month. Um, but, but offer that to him as just a time to get away and unplug and, and refresh, right. And hit reset. And, and I think begin, give him some time to begin to think kind of toward the future and dream a little bit rather than simply, um, grinding it out week to week, which, which I know a lot of times in the pastorate, Matt, you know, I've both been there. Um, just that that Sunday morning deadline, right, to get the sermon done and and to preach. I mean, there there are weeks that that it's a grind just to just to get that time to prep in because of all the other stuff. And so, time to step back and take a look at the future and dream about where God is um, taking him spiritually, him personally, and where he wants to take the church as well. I think is a really really healthy thing. And I, I, I think for, for those churches who may be going, Oh, I don't know about giving, you know, I don't know about giving them two weeks off or a month off. Uh, I, I think both the church and he will be better off when that happens. Um, because a rested pastor is a good pastor. <laughs> for sure. And, uh, I, I think I botched the, uh, cliche, one of the previous episodes, but when you, fail to plan, you plan to fail. Number three is a document communicating expectations of the pastor. And so when when everything is on a whim and, and individuals are able to just add expectations on a, on a whim whenever they want to, whenever they feel like it, all that kind of stuff, it's going to be difficult for the pastor to, to know what to, to do, what's expected of him and so forth. And so pastors and churches that have an actual document that clearly communicates the church's expectations of the pastors are on average more than three times as likely to remain in the pastorate. And so this certainly saves you from those no win situations where, you know, the pastor wasn't doing what was expected of him because we have it on paper. It also 
saves the church too. If if they have this document and the pastor is is not doing it and so forth, that is going to help the personnel committee and so forth walk through these things in ways for him to improve and so forth. And uh, and so so this this is a critically important component to the pastor's success. And so Kyle, why does that matter? And and maybe some ideas for churches to pull this together. It's not hey, we need the guy that has. 10 years of experience is as perfect as Jesus and is going to work a thousand hours a week. And we're going to give him, you know, $15,000. What, what would be a, a helpful expectation and a way to pull this together? Yeah. Well, I think, I think simply, you know, confusion can breed chaos, which can breed conflict, right? So, so where there is confusion, there's probably conflict. Um, now, you're never going to eliminate conflict completely in churches because you're a sinner as the pastor dealing with sinners who are church members. And, and But this helps, right? Communicates clearly expectations. And then, yeah, you have somebody in the, in the church, whether that's a personnel committee, um, whether that's deacons, whether that's, uh, you know, kind of a, a team of pastors or elders uh, to hold the, the senior pastor the, and the staff in this case. I think this would, should be um, true of all staff persons as well, to hold them accountable to that, but also to protect them from um, added expectations, right? Un- unwritten expectations. And, um, you know, it's it, in some cases, it's going to be difficult for a, a single document to communicate all the expectations, but it can go a long way to um, kind of outlining what responsibilities are. Uh, and that, again, that provides a buffer Right. So when someone comes and says, you know, I, I want the pastor to do a funeral for my dog, um, that's not in his job description. That is not an expectation. Um, you know, and, and again, maybe it goes back to the, some of the counseling stuff that we that we mentioned, um, you know, expectations of when he should hand something off. Um, and, and again, this helps cut down on confusion, which helps, I think, cut down on conflict. And, and helps a pastor understand what, what his roles and responsibilities are. And also helps the church to understand what his roles and responsibilities are. And um, I think that leads to a better, uh, I hope that leads to a better relationship for, for a long term. Yeah. And I'm going to skip over number four, Kyle, really quick, because it ties into number three, limit unrealistic expectations of the pastors. You know, Kyle was just talking about, you know, doing a funeral for somebody's dog, that kind of deal. Uh, having just realistic expectations of your pastor. He's not perfect. He doesn't have unlimited time and resources and so forth. And uh, and those that that do ultimately are nearly half as likely to remain in the pastorate. You know, when when it's just constantly just the bar is too high, all of that kind of stuff, we feel like we're constantly drowning and so forth. Uh, It's very difficult to stay. So briefly talk about that, Kyle. Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, doing doing a funeral for a dog is kind of a silly example, uh, but not unheard of, <laughs> right? I know some guys that have been literally asked to do that. Um, you know, but but just as simple as like people expecting the pastor to be um, their personal um, uh, conflict manager, right? So anytime someone has a disagreement in the church, we'll just, I'm just going to take that to the pastor and he, he should straighten, he, he better straighten them out. Right. That that's not the role of a pastor. I mean, that that should be the role of two adults to be able to figure out and manage conflict, right? You don't have to be brought in every time somebody looks at you. Pastor doesn't have to be brought in every time somebody looks at you uh, sideways. Um, and again, that's just the 
the unrealistic expectations, you know, that he'll be there at every single birthday party and every single um, life event for every church member, right? That's just, that's not, yeah. Every single Sunday school event, all of that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's just, you know, and, and again, I know, I know pastors, they feel guilty when they can't make it to something. Um, But the reality is he has a life and a family as well. Most of the time, if he's married, he has, he has kids, he has a family life as well. Um, And that, that family life doesn't necessarily um, revolve around the church calendar 24 seven. And so you have to create some space and again, outlining um, clear expectations and limiting unrealistic expectations help create that space for him to have a healthy family life and, and a somewhat normal schedule, right? For, for his wife, for kids um, to know when, when dad is at work and when he's able to be at home. Yeah. And, and pastor, one of the ways that you can help with this, if, if you're not into that church just yet is during that interview process or during that final process of laying out some of those things that you can do, things that you can't do and, and be clear up front. Uh, and, and that will go a long way in helping this take place in a healthy way. Number four, Bart Barber would say amen to now with me as one of his church members. And that is a process for church discipline. I can hear him saying it right now. Amen and amen, because pastors and churches that have a process for church discipline are on average more than four times as likely to remain in the pastorate. They say church discipline can refer to a wide range of sins or accusations of sins. Even if sin is biblically addressed, someone could still question who was involved, how it came about. And so we need a a process, a system of, of how to handle this. Of course, the goal is always going to be reconciliation and restoration and all of this. This isn't saying, hey, you need a process to run somebody over by a bus and everything else. This is is a process ultimately for for health and reconciliation and in restoration. Uh, but beyond it being obviously very biblical, uh, why does this why does this matter, Kyle? Why why is this helpful for a pastor? Well, well, again, it goes back to the expectations, right? In this case, the expectations of church members, right? Of those who um, who have united with that local church. Um, and said, yes, this is the church I want to join my life to. This is the, these are the people that I want to grow deeper in my relationship with Christ alongside. Um, and, and here are the parameters for that, right? So if you step into sin, here's how that's going to be addressed. And, and again, as you mentioned, I mean, it's, it's not a, I think sometimes the, the whole idea behind church discipline gets distorted because it's, well, this is just an excuse to, to take people, you know, to kick people out of the church. No, that's not it at all, but it is a mechanism to hold people accountable to the relationship they have with Christ and and the commitments that they made when they became a church member, when they uh, became a follower of Christ. And again, I think uh, confusion breeds chaos and conflict. And so uh, you're not going to eliminate that, right? Because when you say, if, if you call someone out on their sin, that's probably going to lead to conflict in most cases, um, at least initially. But it's when, when there are clear expectations, you know, if you have a, if you have a clear church covenant or a clear, um, you know, kind of path for church discipline and plan for that, um, you're able to say, you knew this, right? You knew this was the process. We're not, we're not singling you out. Um, but this is this is how it it operates, and and again, as you mentioned, it, you always have to be clear. Um, the goal is not to 
remove people from the church. The goal is reconciliation. They would be reconciled to uh, people they may have sinned against, as well as reconciled um, to fellowship with God as well through repentance. All right. And finally, regularly encourage the pastor's family. One unit increase in level of agreement that my congregation regularly provides my family with genuine encouragement corresponds on average, Scott McConnell says, to being twice as likely to remain in the pastorate. It's not something extra that is just nice to occasionally receive. It, as he says, restores the spirit of a pastor and their family. We've talked about this a little bit with Pastor Appreciation Month and, and of course, Christmas, that kind of deal, of remembering the family when we are blessing and appreciating our pastors and so forth. That is always a meaningful thing for me as a pastor is when I knew that my church didn't just care for me. That That's great. That's encouraging all of that. You need that. But also when they truly love and care for and show their appreciation and encouragement to my family members, my girls, my daughter, all of that kind of stuff. And uh, so, Kyle, I, I think this is probably one of the uh, the highlights of this and, and critically important for the pastor. Uh, so so share with us your thoughts there. Yeah. And, and I would say also the simplest, right? I mean, so whether that's just a note of encouragement, um, whether you throw in, you know, some, some gift cards or something like that, whether to a local pizza joint or coffee or, you know, a, a certificate for a date night for, for he and his wife with childcare included, um, you know, what, what, whatever. I mean, it's just, it, it can be simple. This does not have to be complicated, but I, I would say one of the more, more um, effective ways of helping a pastor to per- persevere um, is knowing that he's encouraged because some of these that, that we've talked about, um, like if there aren't clear, um, you know, church discipline guidelines, that that's a, that's a weighty thing to put together, right? Communicating clear expectations, a clear job description for the pastor that can take some time and, and that can have, have its own stress. If you don't already have those things in place, encouraging your pastor is very simple, right? I mean, whether that's just dropping by the, the office, um, I know you and I are both coffee fans. And so if you, if you know when he's in the office and you just bring him coffee, like that was, that was always welcome, <laughs> right? When somebody would, would just bring a, a pipe and hot cup in, that was, that was fantastic. Um, and so again, you don't have to, it doesn't have to be uh, complicated, but you can get as creative with this as you want just to let him know that, that you care about him, that your church cares about him and is there to support him as he uh, labors Uh, in the ministry on behalf of this church to encourage, to strengthen, and to to proclaim God's word so that uh, you as a church member and the church body as a whole might more closely reflect the image of Christ. All right. This has been 12 ways that you can ultimately help your pastor succeed and thrive. 12 ways to help them stay in ministry. Last week, if you missed it, you can go back and listen to the six ways that the pastor uh, can personally address his longevity in ministry. This has been the six ways that a church can do so. We thank you for tuning in. Kyle, why don't you send us out? Thanks for listening. And until next time, may your coffee be as black as night and as bold as the gospel you declare. Thanks for joining us today at Not Another Baptist Podcast. We're also grateful for our sponsors, the Christian Standard Bible. 
who present the truth of God's Word with accuracy and clarity for today's readers, equipping them for lifelong discipleship. It's a Bible you can teach from with confidence and a Bible you can share with your neighbor hearing God's Word for the very first time. The CSB, accurate, readable, shareable. Visit csbible.com for more. What's wrong with you people?